We're making it to the end of Romans today. Romans 16. Many of you have heard every message in the series, and those who didn't, if you missed one or two, go online and catch up so you'll know Paul's rhetorical flow in his letter to the church in the capital city, the church at Rome. Heroes of the faith. You know about Goliath and Gideon, but do you know about Tryphena and Tryphosa? No less heroes in the faith, the Apostle Paul. Well, let's look at Romans 16. I saved Corey, not making him read this part, but I'm going to read it to you. Turn to Romans 16. Verse 1. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a servant of the church at Centria, that you receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints, that you help her in whatever matter she may have need of you, for she herself has also been a helper of many and of myself as well. Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers, in Christ Jesus, who for my life risked their own necks, to whom not only do I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles. Also greet the church that is in their house. Greet Eponidas, my beloved, who is the first convert to Christ from Asia. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junius, my kinsmen, and my fellow prisoners who are astounding among the apostles who are in Christ before me. Greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord, and greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and Stachus, my beloved, and Apelles, the approved in Christ, and greet those who are of the household of Aristobulus, and greet Herodian, my kinsman, greet those of the household of Narcissus who are in the Lord, and greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, workers in the Lord, and greet Persis, the beloved, who has worked hard in the Lord, and, and greet Rufus, a choice man of the Lord, and also his mother and mine. And greet Asyncritus and Phlegon and Hermes and Patrobos and Hermos and their brethren with them. And, and greet Philologus and Julia and Nerus and his sister and Olympus and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. Now I urge you, brethren, keep your eye on those who cause dissension and hindrances contrary to the teaching which you have learned, and turn away from them. For such men are slaves not of our Lord Jesus, but their own appetites, and by their own smooth and flattering speech they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. For the report of your obedience has reached to all, therefore I am rejoicing over you, I want you to be wise in what is good and innocent in what is evil. And the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you, as does Lucius and Jason. And 
Sosipater and my kinsmen, I, Tertius, who write this letter, greet you and the Lord. Gaius, host of me, and the whole church greets you. And Erastus, the city treasure, greets you. And Quartus, the brother. Was your heart all a flutter during the reading of the text this morning? <laughs> it's not very interesting, is it? It's a list. It's a list of names. A list of names that are strange to our ears. Famed homiletics professor Fred Craddock used to teach us preaching students when you're preaching the biblical text, avoid the list at all costs. Don't approach the list. But Craddock offers a very interesting take on this list in Romans 16. Paul is calling the role. Paul's role calling is interesting. If for no other fact than Paul had never been to that church in Rome. It's not a church he started. How did he know all these names? Now, you know, we've already learned he's headed towards Spain through Rome. He wants Rome to help him. How did he know all those names? He was trying to raise the money. Do you suppose that you could buy a mailing list way back then and he got this list of names? The list does give us something of a sociological profile of the church. There's a husband and wife. Now, we know them from Acts, Aquila and Priscilla. A son and a mother, Rufus and his unnamed mother. A brother and a sister, Nerus and his sister. A pair of brothers, Andronicus and Junius. And then there's those sisters that I love to say their names, Tryphena and Tryphosa. And there's an older man, Eponidas. There's a single woman, Mary. There's a single man, Herodian. In fact, there's not much of a nuclear family at all here other than the fact they've been called together as church to be a family. It's an interesting list. Well, not much, but kind of. He's in the home of Gaius in Corinth. Gaius is both host to Paul and host to the church in Corinth. And Paul is preparing to go west, to go to Spain for that last missionary trip through Rome. Paul now is 50 or 60 years of age, and he's planning one great last missionary endeavor. You know, he got a late start in ministry, probably about 35 years of age. And so he wants one more grand mission opportunity. And imagine now Paul is packing his things, getting ready for this trip, this missionary trip. And he puts his cloak in and he starts going through the boxes of correspondence. And he comes across some of these names that he's learned through his years of ministry from mutual friends. And as he's cleaning out, he comes across these little notes. And Paul begins to remember. For Paul, it's not a list. For Paul, it's remembering. We need to remember our family of faith, our brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what you do when you think about church, about Christian friends. You remember the first congregation I ever served in, and I haven't served in many, 
was Garner Baptist Church in Garner, Texas, one flashing light. There were 40 in Sunday school in the church. I don't mean, I was a youth minister. I don't mean 40 in the youth group. I mean 40 in the whole church. We started with eight. We had grown fivefold. We were pretty excited. And there was a couple there by the name of Donnie and Susan, and they would invite me over, Lisa and I sometimes, to come over to their house in the afternoon because we were there for the evening service too, and we had the afternoon there, and they would give you a good meal. But if you didn't live, leave quickly, they, were, they would get out home movies of their children. And <laughs> they were the kind of movies that only a mother and father could really enjoy. No, they're the kind of movies that only a mother could ever really enjoy. And then there was Robert and Polly. They were a, a lovely couple, and, and Robert was chairman of the deacons, but I don't know why he did it. I guess he just didn't realize it. But every, every Sunday, somewhere in the service, he would stretch his arm around Polly and go, hoo, 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 out loud in the church. And we kind of did overs and unders of when it was going to happen, you know, in the church. And... Well, you know, we drove an hour to get there, but it was family for us at the time. And, and then there was Meadowbrook Baptist Church in Robinson, the only other church that I served beside this one. And, well, there was Ken, who was chairman of the pastor search committee, who was really nervous to call me to be pastor, a newbie who had never pastored. And they had a, such a wonderful seasoned veteran in Dr. Paul Sadler, and he was nervous about me. And then there was Robert, who was always quiet, but gave financially way above and beyond what anybody would expect. And he just undergirded the church. And I was always grateful for Robert. And then there was Fran. And Fran was a school teacher by day. And she was a mom. And she signed up to, to teach everything at church. And somehow, even though Fran didn't have any more time than anybody else, Fran always got the job done for us. And then there was Ray and Darlene and Ray and Darlene always stayed after the function, and they would help the pastor and the janitor put everything away. Then there was George. George was a retired college professor, and he was, well, he was in a wheelchair. He was a lot smarter than I was, but George loved me and helped me guide the congregation in new ways. And then there was David and Dana. When I, when I got there, Dave and Dana were living together, and they weren't church members. But five years later, when we left, he was a deacon, and she was teaching Sunday school, and they were married. And, well, they allowed the gospel to change their lives. Remembering. He begins this list by remembering Phoebe. She's a servant, your translation may say. You could translate also deaconess. Maybe there was an order of deaconesses. I don't know, but somehow she worked so hard. She was a deaconess or a servant. Don't forget Phoebe. She worked so hard. She helped so many. And then verse 3, he tells us about Priscilla and Aquila, such a devout couple. A couple who had the church in more than one city, wherever they dwelt at the time, meeting their home. And Paul says, they risked their lives for me. And not only do I thank them, but all the churches of the Gentiles thank them. It was a well-known occasion. Maybe it's when Paul was in Ephesus and his life was in grave danger. Maybe then Aquila and Priscilla stepped in and saved him. I can't be sure. But whatever it was, Aquila and Priscilla... They risked their life for mine. And then there's Andronicus and Junius, verse 7. 
Look at that. Hey, we were in jail together, Paul remembers. Hey, Andronicus and Junius, we were jailbirds together for the gospel. What great people. And then there's Mary, verse 6. Mary always worked, didn't she? She worked after everybody else quit. Paul, you go ahead and go home. I'll put the hymnals away. I know you're tired from teaching all day. Well, you're tired too, Mary. Yes, but I don't have to ride a donkey halfway across Asia tomorrow like you do, Paul. You go on. I'll put the hymnals away. Look what he says about Mary, verse 7, she worked hard. Notice the word work, how much it shows up in this section. Then Epinetus, verse 5, the first one to respond to my preaching, first one down the aisle when I preached, you might say, well, the first little girl I baptized here will be in the second service sitting with her children you don't forget your first. Paul didn't, and I didn't. Paul remembered. And they're the twins, Tryphena and Tryphosa. Their names are best translated delicate and dainty. I, I kind of get the feeling they're twins. The Tryphena and Tryphosa, delicate and dainty, always sat on the piano side, and they both wore blue, so you couldn't ever tell them apart, except for one of them had a mole. Either Tryphena or Tryphosa had a mole, and it would only help if you could remember which one had a mole, and Paul could never remember which one had the mole, so, well, never mind which is which. Notice, look at there, verse 12. They are workers. All these people are workers in the church, workers in the Lord. Don't forget them. Then there's Rufus, verse 13. Rufus, a choice man of the Lord, and Rufus's mother, notice what he says, Rufus's mother and mine. Oh, I thought Rufus's mother was my mother too, Paul's saying. Can't you see Rufus's mother now, a large woman, big bun on top of her head. She wore an apron in my mind, pulled that hair back, fixed the best of breakfasts. I don't have time to eat, Paul said. I've got to be on my travels. Sit down and eat your breakfast, she would say. Apostle or not, you have to have your waffles before you go, Paul. Tell my mother hello, Paul said. It's not just a list to Paul. It's remembering. Here's a list of names from the Vietnam War that travels across our country. And some people remember when it came to the city of Atlanta, they set it up. It's enormous. I can't imagine how long it it takes to set up this traveling granite-type wall with all of these names in the Vietnam War. Some people just hurried by while they were setting it up. To them, it was, just, it was just a list of names. But here's a lady who comes after it's set up. She takes her finger and she searches for a certain name. And when she finds it, she traces the name with her hands. She's holding a little boy. He doesn't know what's going on, but she takes his finger and traces 
the letters. Don't tell her it's just a list. And here's another lady. She gets way down low. It's a name way down low on the wall. Has to get down on her hands and knees and kiss a name on the wall. And over back over here in, in the letter B's, there's a man who brings some flowers and he sets them down. He lines them up with a certain name and he sets the flowers down. And another one who realizes that the, the wall will travel from Atlanta to another city. And so he brings a step stool. His, the name of his family member is way up high. And he climbs a step stool. And with a piece of paper and a pencil, he goes back and forth so he can have a permanent etching of that name. Someone in his family who died in the war. Try telling them it's a list. To them, it's not a list. It's remembering. Paul is saying to all these people, hello. Say hello to, say hello to, say hello to. But really, deep down, Paul knows he's saying goodbye. You see, Paul is all nervous. You remember from going through Romans now, we know the rhetorical flow. He's nervous. He's going with this offering from the Gentile churches, churches of Macedonia and Asia, Galatia. He's taking this offering, and if they receive the offering, then they've received the Gentile missions, and the Jews there, he's really nervous about them and what's going to happen. And, he, and we know by the Acts of the Apostles, he is arrested on this trip, and he only makes it to Rome in chains. He ought to be nervous, and he thinks he might even die. Why, over in chapter 15, he says this, Strive together with me in your prayers to God for me, that I may be delivered from those who are disobedient in Judea, and that my service should Jerusalem may prove acceptable to the saints so I may come to you in joy and by the will of God find refreshing rest in your company. Paul is shaking in his boots. He's not really saying hello. He's saying farewell. As imperfect as the church is, just the same, I don't suppose there's anything like her in the world. Nothing like the church anywhere. Nothing like belonging to a church family. Having a, a church of your own and being able to say like those in Romans chapter 16 could say, I belong to the church at Rome, to be able to say, I belong to the First Baptist Church of Amarillo or the Piney Grove Methodist Church. Nothing like it in all the world to say there's a group of people a group of people who with me proclaimed the Messiahship of Jesus, both his death and yes, his glorious resurrection, his ascension, and together we anticipate his return, his coming again. For us, people of one mind and one heart who sing praises together to God, to study his word, to work and worry and worship as one, to be part of the people of God. And I don't care how imperfect she is, and you and I both know that she is.
She has her faults. Paul saw the church as nothing less than the people of God, the new Israel, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, the ecclesia, those like in the Old Testament who were the called out ones, called out to worship God, called out to hear, thus saith the Lord God Almighty called out to celebrate his virgin birth and his perfect life and his sacrificial death to say that somehow it's hard to explain and there's a thousand angles on it, but God was at work and the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus in such a way that the world will never be the same again. Time to time, I'll come across someone who says, after the service, Pastor, we enjoyed the sermon. The music's great here. But you know, we just go to different churches every week because, well, we just like different perspectives. And, and I feel sorry for her or for him. I wonder why they run from intimacy and relationship. How they do it without having family. I wonder how someone makes it without a church family of their own. People that we serve by and work beside, people we agree with and disagree with, people we love and hurt, and people who hurt and love us, and people who feed us, and people we feed, and people who wash our feet, and people whose feet we wash. All being part of the people of God. A sense of belonging. How do you belong and how do you get the sense that this is my place and this is my family? Did you notice in the list, verse 3, they are workers. Verse 9, they are workers. Verse 12, they are workers. Verse 12, again, they work, they serve, they risk. That's how you sign up to do Bible school with us this summer. At the end of the week, you will be a part of this church family. Uh, I'll give you a 100% guarantee. If you'll show up work Bible school every day, at the end of that week, you will say, First Baptist Church is my church family. You go to student camp this summer, and I promise you, when you get off the bus coming home, you will say, I am part of this church family. You cannot sit there and expect us to entertain you and think you will ever feel like you're a part of this family it is Mary who works. It's Tryphena and Tryphosa who work, who become part of the people of God. It's, it's service. It starts out the list with Phoebe, who's called the servant. And then it's Mary who worked so hard and there's Andronicus and Junius who were there side by side with Paul in prison. And there's Rufus's mother who keeps making the waffles. It's working in the Lord. It's when you say, scoot over and give me an oar. Let me paddle with you, Pastor. It's when you give financially and know it's your ministries and missions. It's when you hurt with those who hurt in your Sunday school. It's when you rejoice with those who rejoice. It's when you let someone else's joy be your own joy. There's nothing like it in the world, I promise you. It's those of us who gather together and proclaim the Lordship of Christ Jesus, those who are willing to submit to each other, those willing to submit to the authority of God's Word, 
those people who gather together as we've gone through Romans and studied this book together that shows us how to live. This book which is unlike any other book that is ever written. The only one that ultimately matters. You see, the church isn't like a crocheting group. That's good and important, but it's not the church or even all gathered fans of the Dallas Cowboys. It's not like that. It is something altogether centered around the Son of God and His bride, the church. It was a Rangers baseball game. A small airplane circled around the park, banner which read on that airplane, attend the church of your choice today. Not your typical airplane hoisted advertisement. In fact, some looked at it kind of strange for the others were bringing around topless bars and saloons and those sorts of things for after the ball game. This one was kind of strange. Attend the church of your choice today. But the the Lone Ranger plane promoting the church didn't have any discounts like the other. It didn't say if for the first three years you join, no tithing. It didn't say that. It didn't say this Sunday only 10 commandments reduced down to just three. If you can do just three, we'll be okay with that. It didn't say anything like that. A church, they were half drunk there at the ballgame. They looked at a church. Why be faithful to a hurt church? Perhaps like with baseball teams, the church's fans have been discouraged in times past because there have been pettiness or greed or rules violations among the professionals, the staff and pastor. Perhaps some of the fans stayed away from the church because they perceived it was too full of losers or the game was just too slow, needed more pizzazz in the worship. Some, not many, but maybe a few, reminded from the sky that worship and service to God is their highest loyalty. And that final era, the ultimate strikeout would be to fail to run toward our true home. The church does not need fans. She needs players. The church does not need to offer reductions and challenges, but an invitation to the greatest team that God has ever assembled. Here, everybody is somebody, and everybody who wants valuable work to do will find valuable work to do. Prize, of course, is not a pennant nor a World Series ring, but a crown which we will one day have the privilege of placing at the crucified and scarred feet of our Savior. Attend the church of your choice today, the banner said. I choose First Baptist Church of Amarillo. What about you? church where we remember the names of those who loved us. Maybe in your own mind you think back through the years, maybe you like Paul could think of your own list of names. There are 24 names in this list. You would think about that second grade Sunday school teacher or that GA teacher or act teens or someone who went on the youth mission trip with you or on a mission trip with the church, you begin to remember the names of those with whom you have served. Maybe there's a Rufus in your life. Maybe his mom was your mom too. Remembering. Aquila, Priscilla, Mary, You've heard the whole list. I bet you got names too. 
names you remember. It's an old-timey favorite. When the roll is called up yonder, when the roll is called up yonder, when the roll is called up yonder, you could finish it. I'll be there. Yes, to be sure, there is biblical imagery of a heavenly book that has citizenship at the residence of the kingdom of God listed. There is a roll call, so to speak, indeed up yonder. Paul gives us another take today. When the roll, Paul is saying, when the roll, Paul is saying, when the roll is called down yonder, the roll is called down yonder on Sundays. I'll be there. Right beside Eponidas and Tryphena and Tryphosa and Rufus and Rufus's mother and Rhodius and Olympus and Andronicus. And the roll is called right here. Right here. I'll be there remembering this room is filled with the memory of saints who've gone before it's our turn to carry the torch let us pray Oh, God, we're all so grateful for that church family you've put in each of our lives to love us, guide us. Maybe there's someone here this morning or someone watching by way of television would say, I don't know that sense of family. I'm lonely. I need a place. I need a people. May they hear the message from Paul this morning, there are no people like the people of God there's no gathering like the gathering of God's people. For there's no other institution that has at its core the story of the crucified and resurrected Jesus. Maybe there's someone here in this room or, or someone there on live stream who needs to say, I'm a sinner and God, I invite Jesus into my life to be my savior. Maybe there are others who need to quit playing church and need to start serving church. So when someone's making their list, they would think of his name or her name. They give, they serve, they're here among your people. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen.